The second conference will be on the advantages of the spiritual exercises. Some of this was taken in excerpt in a couple of sermons I gave in Cincinnati, Cleveland, Florida, and Chicago. But by far, most of it is fresh. Last conference, we spoke on the necessity of mental prayer, uh, how it reveals the defects of our souls, how it disposes us to perform virtues, how it helps us to pray as we should, how it is indispensable to attain virtue, how mental prayer irrigates the soul and unites us to the powers of God, and it's a means necessary for achieving final perseverance. This conference is on the advantages of the spiritual exercises made in the retreat. I'm uh, speaking to the choir here, I know. You're already concerned, rightly so, as we all should be, about our souls. There are often many things in life that we seek the counsel of others. At least we should. At least we should. Those who've done well in, in finances probably have done well because they've listened to and studied the advice of others. Those who've done well with their families probably have done so because they've sought the advice of prudent and wise parents. Those who are troubled or, or those who seek higher perfection they know that there's much benefit from the attendance of a retreat. There is nothing more of advantage to the soul by the assistance of sanctifying grace as to seek to be united to our Lord. The retreat is of great advantage. One will bear great fruit in the retreat if they are performed in silence and in some retiring place. In the retreat, we, we give our total attention to God. And in the retreat, we are less distracted from the conversation of the world. Some tell themselves that they can make the retreat at home. Perhaps you were one of those. And now you, have tri now you are trying the retreat. But at home, there's a continual conversation with the world. When weighing the two considerations, St. Alphonsus, giving advice to his parishioners, he very much favored the spiritual exercises being performed in solitude. St. Alphonsus accredited his spiritual conversion to the resolutions he made after he made his first retreat. If you wish to derive great fruit from your works, the best way to do so is to do so under the influence of a closed retreat. These may not be the funnest three days of your life, of your year, but I do think they will be some of the most profitable for your soul. The reason for St. Alphonsus' success emanates from the grace of retreats. In the retreat, I learn many things, and I've studied for years in the seminary. I've taught for many years in the school. Every year I relearn everything again. 
In the retreat, I learned many things about the eternal truths and the truths of eternal life and about our salvation. And you should also. The value of time that God gives us. You know, one of the saints said time is as valuable as God. It sounds blasphemous. It sounds rather strong, but it is. Because in time only can we gain God. In time only can we serve God. But, okay. The immense love which He bears towards us is brought forth in the retreat. These and similar things are not seen with the eyes of the body, of the flesh. These are seen with the eyes of the mind. Some of you are so busy in your jobs, those of you who have not had the fortune of retiring, those of you who are so busy in your jobs, you hardly have time to even consider the spiritual. The pressing economies and social classes and things force you to occupy every moment of your time in the pursuit of worldly things. It's on the contrary certain that unless our intellects represent to the will the value of a good or the greatness of an evil, that we shall never embrace the good and we shall never reject the evil. This is the ruin of those who are attached to the world. They live in darkness, not knowing the greatness of eternal good and evil, and they are lured by their senses. They give themselves up to forbidden pleasures and they miserably perish. The Holy Ghost admonishes us that in order to avoid sin, we must keep before our eyes certain spiritual truths. That is, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. We must keep before our eyes our end which will be followed immediately by divine judgment in which we will have to give an account of all of our works from the time we were the smallest child to the robust men that we've become. Scripture tells us remember our last end and we shall never sin. Our Lord wishes us to that if men would consider the things other than life, we would certainly take care to sanctify ourselves. And in first doing that, we will not expose ourselves to dangers of an unhappy life for all eternity. We so often shut our eyes to the light. And thus we remain blind. It reminds me of the fish that they found in a cavern in Kentucky in a pond underneath the ground and never seen light. Fish couldn't see. They couldn't see. For this reason, the saints always prayed to the Lord to give them light. Enlighten my eyes that I shall never sleep in death. It is in the retreat, dear men, that our Lord gives us understanding gives us light to understand His commandments. But to obtain divine light, we must go near to God. 
Scripture says, Come ye to him and be enlightened. St. Augustine says that we cannot see the sun without the light of the sun. We cannot see the light of God but by the light of God himself. The light is obtained by the exercises you are doing now. We call them the spiritual exercises. By them, we approach to God and God enlightens us with his light. The spiritual exercises mean nothing more than for a time to cease intercourse with the world and to converse with God alone where God speaks to us by inspirations. I was in a hospital about 25 years ago anointing somebody in the emergency room and there was a young girl there also there were about 8 or 10 beds in the emergency room it was late at night fairly dark even in the emergency room the lights were turned down so the uh, patients could rest after I finished anointing a parishioner this girl asked me to come over and to pray with her and I said okay so I made the sign of the cross and then she began babbling it scared me to death everybody is inspired by the Holy Ghost doesn't matter what kind of life you live what religion you believe in and things the Holy Ghost inspires everybody. I finished my Our Father and I got out of there as quickly as I could. I was a young priest and not too uh, courageous, and not that I'm courageous now. God alone, where God speaks to us by inspiration and we speak to God by our meditation, by our acts of love, repenting for our sins. That's what the retreat is for. We offer ourselves to serve Him for the future with all of our heart, and by beseeching him to make known to us his will and then after we know his will the second virtue that's necessary the courage to do it so often we know what we need to do we just don't have the courage to do it if i were to ask you who is the holiest man of the old testament one of the holiest men of the old testament undoubtedly some of you would say job Job was not even a Jew, but he was a very holy man. He loved God. He said, Now I should have rest in my sleep with kings and consuls of the earth who build to themselves solitudes. He didn't want to have idle conversation. Job didn't. He wanted to have conversation with his friends. That was good, holy, and wholesome. Who are these kings that build to themselves solitudes? They are, as St. Gregory says, those who despise the world. Those who are quick to flee the tumult of the world and converse and make themselves fit to converse with God. We have to make ourselves fit to converse. They build solitudes, that is, they separate themselves as far as possible from the disorder and the tumult in the world in order to be alone with God and to be fit to speak with God not that we're ever fit Saint Arsenius, Arsenius one day was praying he was asking God for counsel and he heard the words from God 
lie, be silent, and rest. And that's what you are seeking to do here this three days. Fly from the world, be silent in your conversations and in your body language as well. Cease to talk with men, talk to God alone. And thus, you will find rest and solitude. We had 10, 15 years ago, several young men who helped put the electricity in here. The fans, the, the lights. They spent many hours here. This is what we were hoping for then, to have retreats, to have young adult get-togethers, to have summer camps, to have family reunions, to have church picnics, to have altar boy outings, and families just to come out here. Leave a little your occupations. Hide yourself for a while from the tumult, from tumultuous thoughts. Apply yourself to the contemplation of God. Rest in God. Now is the time for you to say, Now teach my heart where and how I may seek thee, where and how I may find thee. These words are applicable to each one of us, each priest and layperson alike, layman alike. Fly for a short time from the earthly occupations. This will render us, who are often so unquiet, disturbed within ourselves, it will render us rest in retirement with God. We talk of retirement. I know some of you have just retired. I'm sure you're going to spend the next 25 years teaching your wives how to cook. Okay, they didn't, they didn't learn the first 40 years. That's not the retirement we're talking about. We're talking about retreating into God. In this retreat, God shows us where and how we may find Him. That we may speak alone to Him. And at the same time that we may hear His whisper. God speaks to those who seek Him. But He does not speak in the midst of the tumult of the world. Our Lord is not in the commotion of the earthquakes, says, Saint, says Elias, when God called him into solitude. The voice of God, as it is said, is the whistling of a gentle ear, gentle air, which is scarcely heard by the ears of the body, but by those of the heart, without noise, and in a sweet rest. The prophet Osi tells us of God, I will lead her into solitude. I will speak to her heart. And when the Lord wishes to draw a soul to himself, he leads them into solitude, far from the embarrassment of the world and the conversation with men. And there he speaks to the soul words of fire looking at you basically half of you are married I'm speaking words of fire speaking on the words of fire because they melt the soul as the sacred spouse says my soul melted when my beloved spoke 
remember back the first time your beloved spoke to you? Your wives spoke to you? When they were not your wives, they weren't even your fiancés or your dates at the time? And how their every word just melted your soul? We do have several young people who are about to be married, and I would ask that you keep them in your prayers. The words of our Lord, they prepare the soul to submit readily to the direction of God. And they take that form of life which God wishes them to take. The words of our Lord in you can be extremely efficacious if you so allow it. You can become so religiously or spiritually efficient if you allow it, if you allow God to operate in the soul. As our Lord said to St. Therese, one of the latest saints of the church, Oh, how willingly would I speak to many souls, but the world makes such a great noise in their hearts that my soul cannot be heard, my voice cannot be heard. Oh, if they would only separate themselves a little from the world. That's what you're doing. That's why I am certain God's going to bless these days very much with, with you. Our Lord wishes to speak to you, but He wants to speak to you alone in solitude, in the pew, in the church, on the bench before the statue, on a picnic table under a shade shelter, on a walk through the property, before the stations. Our Lord wants to speak to you, and He's going to do it when you're alone. There is noise in your home, which is absent from the retreat. So far, we haven't heard a single phone ring. Your duties of life, care for the home you live in, your friends, your family, your possessions, make noise in your hearts and make us incapable of hearing the voice of our Lord. The saints have for this reason, they've left their homes, they've even left their countries, and they've gone and hide, hidden themselves in caverns, deserts, religious houses, retreat centers. Saint Eucarius relates that a certain person seeking a place in which he could find God. He sought the advice of St. Eucarius. St. Eucarius told his spiritual child, go into solitude. There you shall find God. By this, St. Eucarius wished him to understand that God is not found in the midst of the noise of the world, but in solitude. St. Bernard says that he learned to know God amongst the works of nature, more so than all the books he had read. St. Bernard is considered one of the, the dearest sons of the Blessed Virgin Mary in his devotion to her. The inclination of the world, and we see it especially in our children, is to be in the company of their friends, constantly talking, diverting their attention. But the desire of the saints was to be in solitary places, in the midst of the forest, in the caverns, there to converse alone with God, 
who in solitude familiarly converses with souls as friend to friend. After the women's retreat, we had to kick some of the ladies out of here. They were, they were in different buildings, talking, one and two, two of them together, three of them. They were talking friend to friend. I was happy to see that. I had a wedding rehearsal I had to get to. Uh, I was happy to see that. Talking friend to friend. You only have maybe a few that you will open up your entire heart, heart to, that you will share all your sorrows and happiness and joys and sufferings with. And that's how God is. He wants to talk to you, not casually, not in a group. He wants to talk to you friend with friend. St. Jerome says that it is in solitude that God familiarly, I'm having trouble with that word usually, but I'm doing okay today, converses with his servants. The venerable Caratha wished for nothing more than a grotto, a crust of bread, and a book, a religious book. That's all he cared for. They're always to live far from men and to converse with God alone. The soul living in solitude is described in the canticle of canticles as beautiful as the singing of the turtle dove, precisely because the turtle dove avoids the company of other birds and always lives in the most solitary place. What great joy, dear men, does the holy soul feel as it ascends to heaven, leaving the noise of the world? St. Alphonsus writes many things in order to inspire us with a love for holy solitude and hopes that in the exercises of the retreat, that we will not be tortured. Only do we feel tediousness during the spiritual exercises when we're attached to the comforts of the world. When we think back what we're leaving, a nice posturepedic bed, uh, central air, not the little noisy air conditioners that we have here. The Lord will make you taste so great a spiritual delight that you will come out of this retreat with an affection for these delights. You will be inspired, hopefully, to make the retreats every year, a thing which will be of immense advantage to you. So some of you do. Some of you have quite a record. Whatever state of life you may choose, because in the world, the various occupations disturbances and distractions always will produce dryness of spirit so that it is necessary from time to time to irrigate your soul and to be renewed in the Holy Ghost. King David, a man known after God's own heart as a young man, given into his passions as a middle-aged man, returning to God shortly thereafter. He was unable as the king of Israel to leave the world with his body. He had tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands, of people under his rule that he had to govern around. He developed the kingdom of Israel 
to be the greatest kingdom of its time, even amongst the Persians and the Philistines. He would, from time to time, just go out into the forest when it was safe, or the desert, or the mountains, and he would converse with God. He longed for those conversations. Therein he found peace. Our Lord Jesus Christ also had need of solitude. To be recollected and united with God, he wished to set us an example. He would retire often to the mountains. You remember when he was about to perform the miracle of the multiplication of the fishes and loaves, his intent before that was to take his apostles and to go into the mountains for a vacation, to be apart from the world. And he turned around and looked, and the whole mountainside was filled with people that followed him around Capernaum. And so he, they sought his teaching. He preached to them, then he fed them. Then his vacation coming to an abrupt end, which hardly had started, he sent the apostles back across the lake, Genezareth, Galilee, same one, Capernaum. And that's where they met the storm, and our Lord went up into the mountain to pray. He didn't want them to be caught up in trying to make him king simply because he fed them. Our Lord commanded the apostles at time to take their rest. He desires you to do so. You're doing it these days. St. John Bosco, St. John Baptist de La Salle demanded his teachers have their rest, eight hours a night at least, to teach properly and be agreeable the next day when crosses came their way. Worldlings who are accustomed to divert themselves in conversations at banquets, plays, believe that in solitude one must suffer insupportable tediousness. They can't imagine why on earth you would want to be at a retreat. It's kind of like Francis shortly after he ascended the throne. Why on earth would anyone want to attend the traditional Mass? Quote, unquote. This is the Mass which has sanctified so many of the, all of the saints for so many centuries. He certainly doesn't see the richness in it and how pleasing it is to Almighty God. This is really the case with those who have a conscience that is defiled by sin. They may find a retreat hard. For when they are occupied with the affairs of the world, they have no trouble of their soul, no thought of their soul. But when they are disengaged and in solitude, they feel at once remorse of their conscience, and they don't find peace until they find conversion. One who seeks God will find him in solitude, not tediousness, but contentment, and they will find him in joy. To converse 
when you started conversing with your girlfriend, your wives, did you find that tedious? Or did you find it most enjoyable? There is no bitterness in conversing with God. There's only joy and peace. I mentioned to you a few Sundays ago, St. Robert Bellarmine, truly a focused cardinal. When he had time in the summer free, when the other cardinals went to their villas and enjoyed their relatives, enjoyed some time off, enjoyed uh, being able to say their prayers at leisure, St. Robert Bellarmine went on a retreat. There he found delight in these retreats. He found more delight in the retreats than the other cardinals found in their recreations and amusements. St. Charles Borromeo, he made the retreats every year and found in them his paradise on earth. It was while he was on retreat at Mount Varala that St. Charles Borromeo met his last illness and he died on the retreat. For this reason, my dear friends, Solitude, St. Jerome says that solitude was, a, <coughs> solitude was a paradise which he had discovered on earth. Solitude is a paradise to me. Some ask, what contentment can a person find being alone and having no one to talk with? St. Bernard answers, he who seeks God is by no means alone. For God himself is there with him, which renders one more content than if he had the company of the first princes of the earth. St. Alphonsus says, or St. Bernard, excuse me, I was never less alone than when I was alone meaning he had God's company. In solitude, God makes in the wilderness of the soul a beautiful garden. The Lord well knows how to comfort a soul that retires from the world. And God will recompense you, men. God will recompense a thousandfold all the pleasures of the world the soul foregoes and makes solitude become the garden of delights. There aren't often too many good movies on airplanes. Quite often Father Jenkins or I get moved up to first class because we have flown so much and uh, we get free movies. I flip through them and usually end up at Narnia. Okay, because it's basically a decent movie. There's a few parts of it I skip. Why am I telling you this? I had a thought and I just lost it. I'll come back to it later. I'm sorry. The retreat is the place where God chooses to grant peace to the soul and where God satiates the soul with his truths. 
The contentment of receiving eternal truths alone should be enough to induce us to participate in the retreats. The retreat master might not be gifted. He might not be most eloquent uh, speaker there is, but the truths that he communicates from his learning and his studies and things alone should be enough to induce us to attend the retreats. Divine truths truly satiate the soul. Where the vanities of the world leave one hungry, endlessly hungry. The retreat helps us to see the beauty of divine truths, as the sunlight helps us to see the beautiful reflection of divine beauty. Only the foolish spend their entire lives and energies to accumulate goods of the world and neglect the necessities of salvation. Only the foolish will build for themselves a home that's in a matter of two, five, ten years they're going to pass away at the expense of their soul. We all build homes. We all try to build nice places. That's fine. But not at the expense of our souls. A lot of people are trying to build for themselves a happy life at the expense of their souls. They're allowing their children endless liberties, endless non-supervision, endless recreations. What the kids have today compared to what you had and I had as kids, wow. The retreat helps us to see what is important in life. The retreat helps us to see the means to obtain these spiritual aspirations. Jeremiah tells us, He shall sit solitary and hold his peace, because he hath raised himself up above himself, to the contemplation of the divine. At the retreat, men disengage themselves from earthly affections, they unite themselves to God in prayer by desire to belong to Him. Men offer themselves to God alone. You have a lot to offer God. Thus far, perhaps we have offered very little. The retreat disposes the heart to be sorry for its sins, to be receptive of God's graces which are impossible to receive while we bask in the distraction of the world. The retreat. We're very blessed at Immaculate Conception. We have a man there that teaches economics to the students. It's a very valuable thing, especially in the world today. The retreat helps us to evaluate the distractions of the world and helps us to see it and understand how detrimental these distractions are to the soul. How unworthy it is for a soul created to love and enjoy God to be attached to the world before God. St. John Chrysostom reminds us that retirement is a great help towards the acquisition of perfection. St. John Chrysostom was pretty tough. 
You should read what he says about women makeup. He tells the priest you commit one mortal sin in your life and you probably won't save your soul. He was tough. He said in the world at his time, there's hardly a hundred thousand people that will save their souls. I hope he's wrong on some of those things. He was tough. He says, happy is the man whom Christ leads from the noise of the world to the spiritual exercises and into solitude filled with heavenly sweetness. The joyful solitude is a foretaste, dear men, of your future happiness in heaven. The Sunday sermons are good to listen to, but if they're not reflected upon, they will bear bear very little fruit. It is good for you to ask your sons and your daughters, what was the sermon about as you're traveling home? To reflect upon, what was Father trying to say? It's good on the Sunday afternoon dinner to talk about church that day, how beautiful the choir was, how reverent the altar voice. The spiritual fathers tells us that it is an undoubted fact that what makes the fruits of the retreat perfect is reflecting in silence on the truths that are considered in the conferences. St. Vincent de Paul, the patron of the poor, always invited his parishioners to participate in the exercise in the retreats. He tells us that one single holy maxim, well thought on, well ruminated, is sufficient to make us a saint. It happened to St. Ignatius Loyola, injured in battle, laying in his bed recovering with, from a shattered leg, reading the book of the saints and scriptures. That's all his family would provide for him. Here he was a rough soldier. That one maxim. What doth it profit a man if he gain the whole world and suffer the loss of his soul? Set him on a new trajectory, a new course of life. With consideration, rumination, reflection, this sinner became a saint. With one maxim. St. Alphonsus, as I mentioned to you a couple of Sundays ago, he relates a German the story of a German knight. Knights are used, are supposed to be men of valor, men of virtue, promised dedication to God, to everything that is chivalrous. He relates a German knight who became a wicked man. He had actually signed a contract with the devil, using his own blood. And having afterwards, he was he performed the exercises. Maybe he was forced in by some bet or something. Who knows? He conceived so great a sorrow for his sins that he fainted four times. And then the, after that, he led a most penitential life until he died a holy death because of a retreat. We have some young men here whom I'm terribly edified by. A young man of Flanders. He wasn't quite as noble as you guys. He and some of his friends wanted to ridicule the church. When you go to college, that's the first thing that you'll hear ridiculed is the Catholic Church. 
So he was to attend the retreat, just go through the mechanics of it, bring the notes home, and then the boys would laugh at them, pick them apart, make fun of them. The boy attended the retreat. He didn't rejoin, regroup with his friends in uh, Flanders. They found it, searched him out. Why didn't you come bringing the notes to us? And they, he said, you wonder at me. But I tell you that if the devil himself attended a retreat, he would be brought to penance. And those are quite powerful words. St. Charles Borromeo, from the first time he made the spiritual exercises in Rome, began to live a perfect life. St. Francis de Sales, if I remember correctly, he wanted to party after studying at the university. He wanted to party each night. St. Francis de Sales confessed that it was to the exercises he owed the beginning of his holy life. The exercises, dear men, are the school of heavenly wisdom. And the exercises are the church's great treasure in the last days. 